right, you football-loving maniacs, time for another episode of Three Honest Lads. However, we are down to just two honest lads. Mr. Sam Stockley over across the pond getting his A license, I believe, in the UK. Sammy, once you listen to this episode, we miss you. We love you. But I still have one of my lads in Devon Kerr over in Delray Beach. Mr. Devon, how are we? Five, six, one. What up, dog? I always want to do that. Super lame, though. It's pretty, it's pretty pathetic. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm hurting to be completely hurting. Tell me what happened. What was his name? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, besides you verbally abusing me every weekend, um, his name was company softball and company softball. I mean, first of all, I made two injuries on, on, in one game and in a 21 to 17 company softball loss. Okay. We lost and I have a bunch of injuries. So a, it was not worth it. B, the first injury was a catch that I made and I ran into the fence at Mills Pond Park in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And that was worth it because it was a cool play. I made the catch, but, you know, it looks like I look like Leonardo DiCaprio from The Revenant. Like it, it looks like a bear just mauled me on my on my rib cage slash on my backside. And then it, like an inning later, less than 20 minutes later, I hit a single. I usually try to stretch it into a double, but dude in left field had a cannon and I'd already seen him once and I, I I'm I'm going like full speed making the turnaround first and I realize who who you know who's holding on to the ball at this point and I try to put the brakes on and I actually got I actually was told at the beginning of last season that I couldn't wear my metal baseball spikes so I'm wearing my I'm wearing my football cleats and you know like they're they're normal studs and I, as I try to put the brakes on going 100 miles an hour my feet just come up from underneath me and I slide no joke like five feet on my left kneecap and there is just oh solid chunk of skin that came off and and the the moral of the story kids is that it's just not worth it it's not worth it it's company softball we ended up losing anyway i you know it was one of those nights of sleep where like every turn that i made you know the covers were like you know it it was like on top of these uh you know i tried to put a bandage on it wouldn't work it was like oozing whatever the entire did you stick to the sheets I, you know what? I actually took the top sheet off and I just had my, my comforter on because I thought that that might help, but it didn't. It was just, it was a restless night's sleep. I had the worst habit in probably like, I would say like 16 to 18, where I was like determined every tackle had to be going to ground, just beating someone to death. Unfortunately, I was beating my body to death. And my high school field was not the best, we'll say. It wasn't the worst, but it wasn't the best. And there were like tiny little pebbles here and there scattered around. And so, and we, we were in a nice high school, man. Boca Raton, Florida, like that's a it's pretty affluent area that out of the state, yet alone the country. And our high school just like didn't take, you know, they let football, who was terrible, they let football beat the field up. And then the soccer team that was good had to deal with the back end of it. And so I would go to ground so often that I still have scars because I did it so repetitively on the outside of my right and left side from sliding so often. And my mom had these makeshift bandages that I would have to put up over the top. And it was like a no stick type thing, but I would have to change it like twice in the middle of the night. And I couldn't sleep with sheets. Like there was, there was a solid year of my life where I slept without a bottom sheet. I was just on the mattress because we didn't want to ruin any sheets. Then again, we ruined the mattress and we had to get a new one. Go figure. I mean, the, the catch against the fence, you know, there was, there's no warning track. So I had no idea where I was. Cause I'm keeping an eye on this ball. I kept carrying, you know, like, like you literally no warning. <laughs> no warning track. There's more of a warning track at slugger field than there is, than there is at this, at this softball park. And I just went straight into the fence. It's just brutal. But other than that, you know, I'm great. I'm great. Glad to, glad to be recording this podcast with you, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little hurt right now, but listen, nothing that a little magic spray can't fix. And, and we'll be back 
back on the field in no time. Um, all right, Dev. Was that was that with or without liquid courage? You know what? It's interesting because I played <laughs> golf earlier in the day and I probably had about five or six beers throughout the 18 holes. And I had told a couple of people who we were playing softball with that I that was the case. And they were like, oh, Tyler's fine. You know, he's still he's still a little bit buzzed, but I really wasn't. So I it was I was feeling the full effects of all of all these injuries. It was it was an action packed day, you know, 18 holes of golf, company softball. It was a it, it was a big day and a, a nice day off. You, you had two days off as well. I don't even know where I am right now. I actually sent Jamie Watson a text. He was quite frustrated by the weather when he came down here. In case you don't know people, Jamie Watson, former player from every single league and every single team. We love him. But with his alma mater, Minnesota United, to the sideline for them. And he's down here for US Open Cup. We were talking about how nice the weather is. So I sent him a picture yesterday in a text and I said, just wanted to let you know, first I sent him a text. Just wanted to let you know, I just finished prep for my Wednesday game of the week outside in the sun next to the pool with tanning lotion on <laughs> his response back was, I hate you. I hope you get sunburned. So to have, to have a few days off and to be able to enjoy it is nice. Although it's funny. People say we have days off. It's not really days off because I still did about like nine hours of prep work yesterday and, and watched a massive amount of video, but Hey, I'll take, I'll take watching games by the pool than having to be indoors any day of the week. 1000%. I can't say that I did nine hours of prep work yesterday because I basically just let everybody know exactly what I did. But, you know, I had a, I had a nice phone call conversation with, who was it? Uh, Adam Smith from Fresno. We had a good chat about their. Adam, up- I love him. He's and- so nice. They're playing well this year. I mean, you know, you look at all their results and they have one loss and that game against Sacramento was probably one of the best games that they played this year so far. And they, you know, just ended up losing. But, you know, one loss on the season, Cutis LaWall and Kristen Chaney getting the done up chop, you know, hoping that Jaime Chavez can come back and, and get some things done in the number nine spot. So all is good. And uh, over in Fresno, trying to make their first playoff appearance after missing out in 2018. But let's dive into. Oh, boy. I continually get these mixed up. Week 10? No, week 11. I don't I have no idea anymore. Week 11. I think it's week 11. Uh, I, I'll tell you right now. It would be, hang on, stay week, with me. Week 11. Week I, 11. I, week 11. Midweek games, open, everything confuses me. I just say it's the next week. It's the, that, that's easiest, but just trying to keep it straight for our football-loving maniacs is, and our producer, Alex Goldstein, who's been on top of everything as usual, just trying to keep it straight in terms of episode descriptions. Um, so week 11, you know, we had U.S. Open Cup in the midweek. No midweek fixtures to speak of within the league. So we'll jump straight to Saturday, May 18th. And the first three out of four games, we could call four out of four between NCFC and Birmingham Legion. I mean, these are all these are all potential playoff fixtures and not potential. They will be playoff fixtures, at least with the teams who are involved. Indy 11 and Charleston Battery, one no win for Indy 11 as they come away with a late one. I believe it was Tyler Pasher with the game winner in, in the 87th minute as they're able to come away with a big one no win against Mike Anhauser and the Charleston Battery, Louisville City and St. Louis FC. What Devin said, probably the most exciting game that he's done all year, but there were no goals. It finishes nil-nil. It was amazing. It was it was awesome to watch. It, it, it's two of the best teams in the East, I, and that's I'm not saying anything against the Rowdies or Red Bull or North Carolina. It was just look, you've got a, a top five matchup, and Louisville's playing better. They're coming off an Open Cup victory where they looked really nice. St. Louis is St. Louis. I mean, they're they're at the top of the East for a reason. They're doing very well. Only one loss in the season, which was weird on the road to Birmingham. Didn't get that one. Um, actually, went back and watched that game. We'll get to Birmingham in a little bit, but. St. Louis just couldn't score. And the two of them, it was just tactic after tactic. And if you watch the game as a St. Louis fan, you're going to go, wow, you know, we, we, we looked bad. We didn't look ourselves. 
if anytime you can go on the road and get a point and this league is good, you can go to slugger and get a point. That's a plus. You go slugger, get a point, not concede a goal. That's just really, really hard to do. And Louisville did play better. To be fair, they, they probably should have won. They had the better opportunities. I really like the fact that they have a bench now, dude. It, it is crazy looking at what they have had to go through in the opening weeks. And the fact that they're sitting in the top 10 is, to me, it's astounding because of it's not it's not the fact that people are injured. It's who was injured. It's Del Piccolo, who's still out. Brian Ownby, still out. You also lost Luke Spencer. You lost George Davis the fourth. I mean, multiple goalkeeper injuries, and still you're relevant. I mean, their bench this weekend, listen to this. Their bench was Taylor Pay, Shantos, Johnny, Chris Hubbard. Okay, yeah, he's goalkeeper, whatever. Um, and Baki John, Pat McMahon, George Davis the fourth. That's your bench. Like, that is super loaded. Super, yeah. super loaded. And I just, I, I, I love the game. The play was really exciting. They were, it was prototypical St. Louis on the road. They sat back, they withstood pressure, tried to counter, couldn't, couldn't counter on their opportunities. And that's fine. Louisville had a massive amount of chances. I'm talking massive 18 shots, six on target, and they just couldn't close it out. Um, it, it was just a really, really good game start to finish. And the level one, two touches quick in and out. Everybody was on their game. It was really, really nice to watch. Highly recommend it. So St. Louis FC currently sitting in third on 19 points, four off of the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Louisville in seventh on 17, just one loss in their last five. St. Louis, same goes for them in their last five as well. However, you throw three draws in there. Louisville, meanwhile, three wins and a draw in addition to that loss. So, you know, Sam Stocker will always say you'd rather you'd rather get a couple of wins and maybe a loss rather than draw all those games because it will prove to be beneficial in the end. Moving along, North Carolina FC and Birmingham Legion play to a nil-nil draw. NCFC will have the pleasure of taking on the Florida soccer soldiers in the next round of the U.S. Open Cup. Tampa Bay Rowdies and New York Rebels, too. The big marquee fixture in the Eastern Conference and probably the entire league this weekend in week number 11. And it's Neil Collins and the Tampa Bay Rowdies defending Al Lang with their life and coming away with a 2-0 win and what will probably serve to be a, a massive three points when, when you look at the top of the Eastern Conference table come August and September as they issue John Walnick and and New York Rebels too, just their second loss of the season. Colorado Springs switchbacks FC. I mean, they're they're in trouble right now. They're losing games left and right. New Mexico United come away with a 3-1 win after that 2-2 draw against El Paso. So they bounce back, still looking for New Mexico to get back-to-back wins for the first time this season. Nashville and Charlotte. Here we go. 1-1 draw. <laughs> do I spare do I spare Nashville this week? I think you spare them because here's the deal. You've got enough ammo already. And then you have them. Let's see what they do in game of the week against the Legion on the road and what should be a win for them, at least based upon the way that the Legion are playing. Um, I watched this game prepping for the Nashville Birmingham game and it's, it's not good. It is. Grouping got taken down. That was a pen. Let's get, let's get one very, very clear. So yes, it is. I, I give all the credit to Charlotte here. That's a great result for them on the road. Um, but it is, it is not, impressive what is coming out of the Nashville camp. Um, it is too, I talked to you about this yesterday and we'll give people a little, a little preview of what's going to come for what is no longer known as game of the week. It is now known as Wednesday night soccer on the rebranding from the USL championship. They are, they have to speed things up. They're too slow. And I was talking to you about how, look, I went back, I watched every single goal. I've seen every single game that they've played when they are in transition, they are a better team. And I actually, Assuming we can get Gary Smith and Nashville on the phone because they haven't re- replied to any of our emails. Figure that one out. Um, I've actually, I want to ask him, how do you think your team would fare in the West? And I say that because 
when they open their game up, they're a better team. Yes, they're conceding more, but they're scoring a lot more. The goal differential is better. And every coach will tell you they don't they don't want to concede goals. However, if, if you're having trouble scoring and you, you know, if I'll give you an example, their first six games, nine goals, five against. So they're at plus four and they had three shutouts. But their next six, 13 goals, seven goals against. So you're at plus six. You have, you're two better on goal differential and they only had one shutout. So it's like, OK, well, maybe those two goals came in where you didn't have the shutout and those equivalent for the two shutouts. But it, it's just it's more goals. It's higher faced. It's faster. Cameron Lancaster finally got his first goal from the run of play. Now, listen to what I just said from the run of play. His only a second on the season. His first one this year was a flick on the near post off a corner. Carlton Belmar finally gets his first goal from the run of play. It was his first goal in general as well. Daniel Rios finally scores out on the run. And they just, they are scoring transitional goals. They are better in that direction. They need to stop slowing things down and go faster. It's plain and simple. Especially when you have the capability on the defensive side of things. Ken Sherman at the back can handle it. He'll be fine. You know, they they've got big names. You have two good goalkeepers in Connor Sparrow and Matt Pickens. They will figure things out. But when you sit back and pack it in and just wait and then slowly move up the field, you don't get results. I told you in, in the games where they have scored a transition goal, they've got 22 on the season, including open cup. They have scored nine in transition. So that's just under 50%. You're probably around 40%. Out of those nine goals, they are four Oh and two. They are undefeated when they score a transitional goal, when they score a set piece or it's a choppy play or it's a slow buildup. That's where all their losses come into play. They're easier to break down on the defensive side of things, and it's poor to watch, and I'm shocked they haven't figured it out. But this is what I said to you a couple episodes ago, is that I just don't think that I don't think that he's the right coach for these pieces. Like you get you get all of you get all of this high powered, high flying, world beating attackers, and you have like the most defensive minded coach in the league, probably outside of Bob Lilly and Anthony Pulis. I, I just don't I, I just can't see I, I mean, and listen, and, and I know Gary Smith has a great footballing mind, but there's something called tactical flexibility that you and I have had the pleasure of talking to a number of coaches in this league and they adopt that. And most of which it, most of the people who we talk to in that regard are on the Western conference. And I think that I that John Hackworth also falls into that category because he can be tactically flexible within the game. However, they do have their own style and they're usually going to impose their will, but he'll make little tweaks here and there. I think Gary Smith needs to be a bit more tactically flexible and not just try to impose what Gary Smith has always done, but take a look at his body of work, take a look at what's gone on this season and say, okay, this is where we're successful. This is where we're getting our results. This is how we're getting our results. How do we then tailor our style of play to the pieces that we have in front of us? Not you're going to fit my style of play, sort of like Greg Popovich in the San Antonio Spurs, and we're going to play no matter what, or Jose Mourinho, whatever an analogy you want to make. So I, I just I, I have a really tough time following what's going on over there. And like you said, I, I think that midweek against against Birmingham will be will be a big test and a lot of games and a few amount of days for for Nashville, you know, with regards to Open Cup and, and Wednesday night soccer, as it's now called. How do you feel about that name, by the way? I get the idea behind it. I support the league and what they're trying to do. They're trying to build a brand. Um, I, I want to be careful I with, know. I know. no, you hear me out. And it's not about the league and my relationship with them. I want to be careful with the actions that they take because you've basically rebranded the league itself three times in the past five years. And now we've got, I think they finally gotten it with the USL championship league one, league two, where they want to get it. And now you're rebranding, what everybody knows is the game of the week. You know, their, their thought is basically chasing down the likes of Sunday night baseball, Sunday night football, Monday night football, that, that kind of, that kind of thing. And, and I get it. I mean, it definitely needs to happen. Um, Listen, we're I, no, I personally, we're no stranger to rebranding, but you know, I think we're going to stop after the one. Yeah. I mean, it's just, 
You have to be careful here. I think they probably got it right, but I, I personally had no problem with Game of the Week because everybody knew what it was called and, and they've had it for a couple of weeks. And, and why change it in the Wednesday middle. night soccer? Yeah. yeah, in the middle of the year as well. And, um, you know, they're also, I mean, they're going to use it where even when there's a game on Tuesday, they're calling it Wednesday night soccer. I don't really understand that, but that's what um, I So our producer, Abe Aponte, he goes, it was before the Bethlehem Ottawa game. And, you know, we have the same reads every single week with regards like from the league, you know, it just changed, you know, a couple of dates here and there, especially for game of the week. And he goes, do you have the Wednesday night soccer read? And I was like, I'm sorry, the what? And he goes, the Wednesday night soccer read. I was like, so are you telling me that they're rebranding? And he goes, yeah. I was like, does that mean that there are no more Tuesday game of the weeks left? And he was like, I don't know about that. And I was like, okay, so you want me in a read to say, tune in to Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. But look, at the end of the day, I, I, I do support it. I mean, most importantly is the growth of this, this league in this game. And, and I think it's headed in the right direction. I want one more quick comment about Nashville, by the way. Something that we, we haven't addressed here is, and I'm not defending Gary Smith by any means. I, I have been very open about the fact that he didn't like some of the comments that I made about the squad. I stand by them. Uh, that's my decision. And and uh, to be fair, I think most people probably agree with them based upon their performances. But um, you have to also wonder what the organization is going through behind the scenes, both from a coaching standpoint as well as from a front office standpoint, because how much effort – on their end is going into everything that's going on. I'm not saying that they're trying to, to downplay this season whatsoever, but like you can pretty much guarantee that 75%, maybe mostly more probably of these guys aren't going to be on the roster next year. Um, I mean, Carlton Belmar, Daniel Rios, Cameron Lancaster, those three jump out real quick. But outside of that, I mean, like, do you think Michael Reed's really going to be running the middle of the field for you at 31 years old between six teams in the span of seven years? Yeah, but that's, you know, what, is, that's what you saw with FC Cincinnati, and they took 60% of the roster. Yeah, how's that working out for him? That's, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it was the right move. <laughs> but if you're going to take a team that already exists, throw them into the MLS, and you already have your own season to worry about, I mean, they, you know, the statement just came out about David Akam, and that's a great pickup, but, like, you know, you, you have to build a roster. It needs to be there. For, it needs to be an MLS roster, and you're not going to be able to fully focus on that until this year's over so like they, they almost don't have a choice and i feel like it's going to be a similar thing to fc cincinnati with that regard could be yeah it definitely could be i mean i can tell you this i can tell you that you know i'm not going to say that 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 comment might get me in trouble with some people so i'll be quiet on that one <laughs> that's that's a first from you i i'm very like i've worked myself into a situation i work really really hard and and i'll just say that it's probably better what I was about to say doesn't come out of my mouth because it could definitely jeopardize some opportunities. Okay, fair enough. All right, we'll move on. Memphis 901 FC in Pittsburgh. I've got, I've got, an, I've got an A and an A. <laughs> you want to explain that to me? Abandoned. Okay. Absent. Abs absentee. Unaware of what was going on. <laughs> Unaware? That starts with a U, my dude. Yeah. That's all right. Keep going. <laughs> All right, so we got a we got we got an abandoned game between Memphis 901 FC and Pittsburgh, which I can almost assure you would have been a nil-nil draw. OKC Energy FC and Monarchs play to a 1-1 draw. RGV and Los Dos play to a 2-2 draw. San Antonio and Tulsa play to a 1-1 draw. We're sensing a theme in week number 11, and obviously you're going to see a lot of draws I think coming off of US Open Cup as well. El Paso Locomotive 3-1 over the Sacramento Republic as they are not having a good run of it, although they are going to be taking on Fresno in the U.S. Open Cup next week. Orange County and Austin Bold play to a 2-2 draw. Tacoma and Reno. That's a good result for Chris Little's boys. That's a 1-1 draw. And then Phoenix dismantle Las Vegas Lights FC by a score of 4-0. And all of the road woes that Las Vegas endured in 2018, regardless of who's at the helm in 2019, seem to be following Las Vegas Lights into the new They are. 
It's incredible. Yeah, dude. It is it is insane to watch. I, I will say this that all right, how do I phrase this? I was told off the record that there were some things going on behind the scenes for Las Vegas lights with some stuff that went on from some of the players off the field. And you can interpret that however you want. Let's just say that guys that made the trip didn't necessarily get the start because of some behavior that went on behind the scenes that it definitely affected them. Um, I'm not going to say who it was. I'm not going to say what happened, but Eric Ronaldo was put in a position where he had to decide for the better of the club, he had to make an example of some players, and he did. And so I commend him for that. It probably cost him the game because there were some talented guys on the bench. Um, it's very difficult to decipher where I'm going with that because there are talented guys all over that team. But there were some talented guys in the lineup and on the bench that he had to sacrifice, and, and it cost them. I mean, they got – it still doesn't have anything to excuse them from their poor uh, performances on the road in general. They're just bad, and, and they get away from what they're good at. However – uh, they were on a good run of form uh, with their league play and open cup and something that went on off field caused some issues on field and, and Eric had to make them pay the price. I will say this. They had their chances. I mean, they hit the post twice. Christian Hernandez hit it right out of the locker room at the start of the second half after coming on as a second half substitute. And Junior Sandoval hit the post after a really bad giveaway from Zach Lubin. And the the latter of those two could have made a one nil to Las Vegas. That was before Kevon Lambert got things started in around like the 32nd minute. So they did have their chances. But like once they gave up, the, once they gave up the first goal and then Hernandez hits the post coming out of the second half, I just felt like the, the heads went down. They were like, we're, we're definitely not winning this game. And then you get you get your keep you get your teeth kicked in and you end up losing four nil and i mean credit to phoenix you know they had a bunch of rotation kyle bjornathan and austin ledbetter both started along the back line including duigi mala so you had three changes from your back line that has more or less stayed the same for the past what five six weeks with the with the exception of an injury to joey farrell so i mean credit to phoenix to be able to make that kind of rotation have some fc tucson boys in there and still come away with the result that that you came away with and now phoenix after after all of that are sitting in third place um and i think that they need to thank their lucky stars a little bit that the western conference is shaking out the way that it is this year and in, in regards to everybody just beating up on each other but i mean you and i were always never really convinced you know by the fans in phoenix saying that you know that we're, we're in serious trouble something's got to change something's got to change you get two or three wins and you're basically you're at the top of the table in the West because that's just the way that it is this year. And you play that you play the card that, that you're dealt and you, you see what happens. And I mean, they only have the league to focus on. They lose to New Mexico United in the U.S. Open Cup in penalties and what was an instant classic. And, you know, God help us all if they meet in the Western Conference playoffs. Uh, I mean, that's going to be one of the greatest games of all time. They're on a nice run right now with regard to getting their form better and better. And I, I totally agree with you. The thing. You, do you hear that? <laughs> was that funny? That was Trace. <laughs> That was a. I've never heard Trace really like gro- like groan like that. That was a. Oh, he does it. Yeah, he's he's tired. He's getting he's getting geared up for a Trace's take, but we'll get to that in a minute. Phoenix Rising. Watch what goes on with them though, because their fixtures right now, their run of games, both home and away, is insane. They go Real Monarchs away, home Tulsa, home Orange County, at Reno, at OKC, home T two, at RGB. That's insane. And remember, this is a Phoenix team that only has one road win this year. Two losses, two ties. And that road win was a month ago. I mean, it was against El Paso. So not saying that they're not capable of getting it done. It's just they've definitely gotten better. I went into that game and I looked at you and I said, with this amount of rotation, they better go get a victory. Because if they don't, <laughs> people's heads would be spinning. Um, but I was I was quite impressed by Jonathan Ledbetter. I, I want to tailor the expectations down because it is Vegas on the road and they are a totally different team, but you still have to mark out Victor Rojas, Pablo Cruz, Irvin Parra, 
Um, love Pablo Cruz. I think he's, he's fun to watch. He's a firecracker. Um, you know, I told you at halftime, I was like, they got to get Ocho on. They got to get Hernandez on. They did. They made an impact. It wasn't what they wanted, but those are really, really talented guys in the offensive side of the ball. So I give the back line credit. You know, now what do you do? How do you follow it up when you go and look at two back-to-back wins? And it's just recently. You beat RGV, you beat Las Vegas. They're like New Mexico. They can't win two games in a row. Um, that is an area of concern. But at the same point in time, you're gaining momentum right when you want to. And, and I agree with what you said. Everybody was up in arms. And look, it's it's not the it's not the style that Phoenix was in 2018 or the latter portion of 2017. They are a different style of football club now. Rick Schantz has finally gotten his hands on it, and you can see his stamp. And they want to play a bit more. I totally agree with that. I actually think their ceiling is higher. And that it goes to show because through everything that's gone on with some poor performances here and there, the slow starts, like you said, they have a game in hand on New Mexico. If they they win, they're one point behind. I mean, Portland Timbers have something to say about that as well. But if they win a game, they're one point behind United in the second place in Western Conference. They only have two losses on the season, which means your basic concern is starting slow and the five ties, which I totally get. You're 11 games into the season. So there are plenty of teams that are 11 games into the season going, oh, no, what do we do? Colorado Springs is one of those teams. You know, Steve Trichu is 11 games in, sitting 17th on eight points. I can guarantee you he would rather double that effort and be third in the West. You know what I mean? And you can make arguments like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is 13th in the East. They have 11 points. They are a full four games 12 points behind the Tampa Bay Rowdies. You better believe Bob Lilly would much rather be sitting where Phoenix Rising is. So good up to Phoenix. I'd just like to see them continue their momentum, win back-to-back games again, make it three in a row. Sunday games, Hartford Athletic come away with their first league win as they get it against Loudoun United FC. Back-to-back wins in all competitions as they were able to come away with a 2-1 win against New York Cosmos B. Jose Angulo at the brace. Swope Park Rangers and Atlanta United 2 finish 1-1 from Children's Mercy Park. And then Bethlehem Steel, Struggle City for Brendan Burke and the boys and Ottawa Fury. I mean, all the credit to them because I really think that Nikola Popovich and Ottawa to have something cooking north of the border. And I mean, I, I, I speak for this podcast when I say that we usually don't talk about them. And I feel like a lot of people forget about them because they now are the only team that lies outside of the continental United States. And I mean, I, I like the pieces that they have. I mean, more Sam is probably one of the more underrated strikers in the, in the Eastern conference. Francois and Oliveira are both proven entities up top. Wallfall is excellent in the middle. And Charlie Ward just pulls all the strings in the middle of the field. Manella's box to box. And you know, Mayor Jaguer and Laparay along the back line, they they find a way to get it done. And, and Carl Howarth is, you know, he's like the Josh Suggs of the Eastern Conference. He is the most dangerous player on the field at times for Ottawa at the outside back position. And if Ottawa can figure out a way to string some results together and really, you know, buy into what Nikola Popovich is trying to do, they can qualify for their first ever USL championship playoff. And, and make a run. I, I don't see why that is so far-fetched. It was impressive. I, I told you coming in, I said, this front three has a massive amount of pace and it could prove problems. Felt like the the edge from a playing style standpoint probably would have been to the steel because of the helter-skelter, high offense, high press. Um, unfortunately, they just, they just haven't looked good. I can't wait to hear what Brendan Burke says about this result because he was already frustrated coming in. But they've gotten some quality results this year, Ottawa. And, and now you're building momentum in the last three weeks. You beat Atlanta United 2, you tie Red Bull, you beat NCFC, and you beat Bethlehem Steel. And though Bethlehem Steel isn't what they have been in the past, they're still a good squad. They're just really, really young this year, and they're struggling 
with all the rotating pieces in the 19, 20, 21 year olds to get some regular playing style. I understand that they're still sitting 10th in the Eastern conference. So they're still a playoff team. And, you know, Ottawa's got games in hand as well. I mean, everybody's talking about the Rowdies, Red Bull, St. Louis. They definitely should. Rowdies have two games in hand on Ottawa Fury. If Ottawa Fury win the next two games, they're tied on points with Tampa Bay. I mean, that gives you an idea. They'll be even at 11 games. And it was just, it was an impressive performance start to finish. The boys up top were awesome. Kevin Oliveira had an off night, but I said to you coming in, we talked about wall fall. I said, this style fits him better. It gives him the opportunity to go both directions. All due respect to Anthony Pulis. Like he, he just has a chance to play a little bit of D and kind of float around, do what he wants. I love the transition that Charlie Ward has made. Cause you talked about him just being efficient on the ball. I saw a stat, something like he completed 91 or 92 percentage of his passes as a holding midfielder. And he was a guy who RGB and then Houston brought in once he got the Houston dynamo contract, he was an attacking midfielder and they wanted to, to bear the load in that direction. Now he's sitting in a six role, really pretty in between the center backs moving forward and just giving them that, that simple distribution. He's not flashy. He's not doing crazy things anymore. They're not asking a massive amount of him. However, they are, you know, they don't need him to go be the playmaker. He just sits in the middle of the field and he lets the guys up top more Sam, you go do your thing. Francois put the ball out in front. Nashville should take a piece out of this team's page. Nashville should watch this team play and watch what they do because they are so well composed on the defensive side of things. And when they turn and go, they hit another level. And I said to you going into the broadcast, I was like, look, it's not two, three, four. They get five, six running forward. And then the back line steps up and they're hard to break down. They don't give up a lot of goals. They're a team that on the defensive side of things does not get enough credit for what they've done. They've only given up seven goals on the year. There's a reason. And now they've scored three in a game. I think sky's the limit for them. I'm not saying they're going to go win the East, just saying that they've gotten better each and every game in the past three, especially. And I, and I think that the other thing to keep in mind is that that style of play travels, right? It's, it, I mean, it's not similar to York rebels too, in terms of the press and, you know, just running at people hundred miles an hour, but in the sense that they can bunker down when they need to. And then if they're given the opportunity, like you said, they just go, 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 go. And if, if you know, they don't end up getting a top four seed, or if they have to go on the road a couple of times in the playoffs, I think that they could be a very, very, very dangerous team come postseason time, but that's going to wrap up week number 11 in the USL championship. Devin, any, any, overarching thoughts, themes, concerns, words of wisdom. Just happy for a nap. <laughs> it's happy to, not, happy to not have to bury myself in a book every single day. Um, no, you know what? It was felt like, felt like for the most part, you got what you thought you were going to get. Uh, I think that there were some interesting results here and there, but a lot of ties for a lot of reasons. Teams hitting that run where they're having to manage the Open Cup and rotating personnel. It's difficult for managers to deal with that in general, yet alone now you, you throw a midweek game in. And, and now what's going to happen to the likes of Indy 11, Lou City, North Carolina, Birmingham? I mean, you got guys that are still involved in the Open Cup. What happens to them when they've got a fixture of a squad that's coming in like a Red Bull 2 and you have to manage an Open Cup game as well? So you've got some big teams that either are out of the Open Cup or aren't allowed to participate in some of the two teams. And when they come to town or you have to go on the road and face them, how do you manage that when you've got to deal with three games in eight, ten days? That'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Otherwise, business as usual. All right, fair enough. Let's move on to week number 12 and see what we got cooking on the horizon in the USL Championship. We talked about Wednesday night soccer, the first edition of the newly branded game of the week, as it's going to be Birmingham Legion playing host to Gary Smith and Nashville SC. Devin will be on the call with Mike Watts. That game, what is it, Eastern time? Eight o'clock? Eight o'clock. There it is. Soul Park Rangers and Memphis 901 FC from Children's Mercy Park. That game also on Wednesday at eight o'clock. And then I will have 
the Fresno Austin Bolt game with former Manchester United keeper Gary Bailey at 10:30 Eastern Time, 7:30 Pacific, and 8:30 Central, I believe. Yeah, sure. Why not? So that have all of the midweek fixtures rounded out, and then we head towards the weekend. New York Rebels two and North Carolina FC will square off in the Jersey State as. North Carolina FC, we mentioned before, they'll have the Florida Soccer Soldiers next week in the third round of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Saturday, Hartford Athletic play host to Ottawa. That should be an interesting game. I mean, if you're Ottawa, Hartford coming up on the road and Charlotte at home, am I crazy to think that you should get four to six points out of those two games? No, not at all. Uh, Again, another spot difficult to manage, but it's doable. I don't think the Canadian championship has kicked off just yet. Although I could be wrong. I don't really deny on that tournament, but they're not, they're not having to deal with the U S open cup. Oh, I got to stop you. I got to stop you, Alex, get ready. I'm using it. Dude. Hurricane season doesn't officially start for 11 days. And they just named their first storm. Andrea, Alex, you ready? What the <laughs> dude, come on, man. I'm in Florida. I don't need a hurricane. I got enough crap going on in my life. Bleep, 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 bleep. You done. Done. When is when is this? When is this hurricane hitting? Who knows? This poor kid. You know what? I should have said something to you because we're recording this on a Tuesday. We usually have that standing appointment on Monday, but we decided to take Monday off. And I was like, you know what? We're going to have a really clean episode. You know, audio levels are going to sound good. He'll just more or less just need to put on the music on either side of it. Maybe tweak some things here and there. Now he's got to go in and bleep out your 17,000 curse words in the you know matter of about seven seconds. So- oh, no. We, ha- we have to go in and do some work. Nobody... F- Oh my God, stop. (laughs) Alex, I love you. I'm sorry. It's just one of those days. It's all about the he said, she said. Who hurt you? Really? Go ahead. Who hurt you? Let's go. Let's go. I don't even know where we like. Okay, Hartford Athletic and Ottawa Fury. Oh, look at this one. Indy 11 in Nashville. That's a Trace's take. Give that to me right now. You ready? Go. Trace. What was last week's? Dude, he picked St. Louis on the road. He got it. They (laughs) they tied. Legend. Absolutely. Trace is 3 and 0. 3 and 0. Trace, you ready? Here we go, bud. Okay, Tyler wants this one. Who we got? Indy? Oh, he's wiggling. Okay. And Nashville. If he's smart, he'll go with Indy. Okay, Trace. Which one is it? Okay, here we goes. Here it goes. Here it goes. Here it goes. Here it goes. Which one is it, Trace? Oh, back and forth. Back and Indy. (laughs) Dude, he actually, oh, good boy. Oh, he's doubling back. Nope. And now he sat down. It's Indy. He actually, he had Nashville in his mouth and he like smelled and then went the other way, picked Indy up, dropped down on the ground. Then he sat down. Good boy, Trace. Indy it is. By the way, the dog is undefeated. 3-0. Love this guy. Yeah, I mean, if I were to, you know, bet up if Nashville as well, I'd probably take Indy. It smells it smells funky over there in Nashville. To be completely honest, <laughs> this is turning into something that I never wanted it to turn into. All right, Pittsburgh and Charlotte from Highmark Stadium. Bob Lilly and the Pittsburgh Riverhounds looking to get back on the winning track against the Jacks, who continue to struggle. Charleston Bow. They're coming off their one-one result against Nashville. That's probably you know something to ride high on on the road against that group that has all sorts of talent. Charleston Battery and Atlanta United 2. That game is going to be in South Carolina. A little bit of a local rivalry there. And then Tampa Bay Rowdies and Swope Park Rangers from Al Lang. Give me Tampa Bay on the money line. I will put my next paycheck on it. Austin Bold FC and New Mexico United. That game will be from Texas. That'll be a very, very interesting one as Austin, you know, Devin, is we've come to learn pretty solid defensively, like to disrupt other teams rhythm. New Mexico like to just go, go, go. Should make for an interesting game. 
OKC Energy FC from. You seen their record at home, by the way? Austin? No, I have not. Four zero and one. Nice. They're four three and three, so they're zero three and two on the road. Four zero and one. I actually had to pick this for um, game of the week or game of the week. Wait, were you talking about Austin or you talking about Vegas? I thought we were on Austin. I'm talking about Austin, but that sounds more or less like what Vegas is doing this year too. I don't know. Uh, Vegas is four five and two, but in terms of the home and away discrepancies, see, like I was trying to like draw parallels here, and then you're just not even following. What's going on? No, I follow it. I just don't care. Move on. Nobody okay. saved Tyler. 2019, let's go. Okay, see Energy FC in Colorado Springs switchbacks. That game's going to be at tap. Steve Cook, Steve Trichu, a battle of the Steves. I bet Steve wins. RGV in San Antonio FC from HEB Park, the worst place to play in the USL Championship. Give me RGV in a draw or a win against Darren Powell's boys. LA Galaxy 2 and Orange County, that will be from Southern California. See what I did there? However, it's going to be in Carson from Dignity Health Sports Park, home of Los Angeles Galaxy 2. Portland Timbers 2 and El Paso from the Pacific Northwest as El Paso got absolutely drilled in the U.S. Open Cup by forward Madison. I believe the final score is 3 to nil. Yikes against the League One side. Phoenix and Real Monarchs from Zion's Bank Stadium as the fighting Phoenix Rising is, 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 is. We'll be looking for win number three in a row. Las Vegas Lights FC will finally be able to return to Cashman and try to cash in against Michael Encian and the Tulsa Roughnecks. Sunday, Bethlehem Steel and Louisville from Talon Energy Stadium, a rematch of the 2017 Eastern Conference quarterfinals and a rematch of the 2018 Eastern Conference semifinals, both of which Louisville came away victorious. Tacoma Defiance will look to build off of a 1-1 draw against Reno as they play host to Adam Smith and the Fresno Foxes, who will have two games this week, including their Wednesday fixture against Austin Bold FC. And that is it for week number 12. Anything you want to hone in on, Mr. Devin Kerr? No, I think you handled that adequately. Um, I'm excited for Open Cup games again, mm. coming back around. There's some fun runs. You and I are going to be on the call for that North Carolina Florida soccer soldiers. Super excited about that. And uh, yeah, outside of that, man, I mean, I think things are taking shape. There's some, some question marks here and there, but um, the way things are panning out, it's fun. I'm just happy it's fun. It's weird because things are dying down uh, on the global stage, but they're really heating up domestically. Excuse me as I burp in your ear. And um, things are really heating up domestically. And I think it's just super fun. You and I getting the opportunity of a lifetime to just continue this progression in our careers. Have some fun. Enjoy it with the fans. Even if you hate us, I respect you. I love you. And uh, that's it. All right. Sounds good to me. Well, a couple quick shout outs to Sam Stockley over in the UK right now. Finishing up his A coaching license. We love you, Sammy. Alex, our producer. I apologize for Devin's dirty, dirty this week. Although I think that he just really wanted to use the bleeping aspect of this show now since we figured out that it is a possibility and that it sounds really cool um you know it was at least it was all condensed <laughs> oh it's amazing oh, i love this it's a it. good game he's just gonna cut it out um all right that's gonna do it football loving maniacs we love you again hit us up on twitter at three honest lads email us if you want to just say hi or tell us we suck Three honest lads at gmail.com. Devin, any parting words? I'm going to take, uh, take Sam Stockley's little thing here because someone's got to get it in for our boy who's not with us. Hashtag three honest lads. Auf Wiedersehen. Guten Tag.